Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical. Good evening, Lewis. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Good. Now, since this, since we didn't do a, much of a pre-show banter, I just need to make sure you're recording your end. Oh, yes, I am recording my end. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I, full disclosure, our very patient guests have been waiting while I just forgot, just forgot that this was on. And do you know what I was doing? I was at an event and I bumped into our uh, friend, everyone's friend, Tom Ballard. And he was oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, Tom Ballard, get, yeah. I was like, I've got to get to the comedy store. I'm like, hey, I'll give you a lift. I've got nothing on tonight. <laughs> and then I was driving him over and there's a, there's a soccer game on at the Sydney Football Stadium. So we got stuck in uh-huh. like punt road level traffic. For like oh. 45 minutes, shooting the breeze, having a great chin yeah. wag. And then Dan oh, called, he's like, Are you close? I'm like, I am not close. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is fantastic. We have a football themed show for tonight. Big thank you to Australian Ethical who are sponsoring the show. And also, congratulations to Carmen Champion and Kate Mellett from the Patreon who signed up this week. They get a picture of the king each. You may wow. remember last week. I ordered some pictures of the king. Well, congratulations, Carmen and Kate. They're going to you. Also, big thanks to Sonia and Patrick, who missed out on pictures of the king, but they tried anyway. Dan, have you, uh, do the pictures of the king include the king's hands? I think so, yeah, yeah. Have you seen his hands? Oh, yeah, they, they look like Frank Frankfurt's, right? They're horrific. And he, you know how he keeps getting angry about, about pens? He can't hold a pen. <laughs> well, you know what? I will, uh, I will send a pen and some Frankfurts yeah. along to Kate and Carmen as well. So a mm. big thank you uh, for the folks on signing up on the Patreon. If you want to sign up and support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear. This is a content warning for this show. Uh, this show will contain a short impression of a powerful authority figure who happens to have a lisp. And if you are offended by such content, this one is not for you. Does he have a lisp? He's got a little speech impediment. But, a you know, sibilant S. 
Yes, that's right. Well, a bit, bit like my, bit like, you know, who's got a good sibilance? Who's got good sibilance? Mm. Obama. I love Obama's sibilance. Mm, yeah, it's different. It's richer. Yeah. I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal land and the Oronation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair Dickum, and Section 40. Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, White Ribbon organisers cancelled plans to have 50 men ride jet skis around Sydney Harbour to raise awareness about violence against women. Instead, they're going to have a pub crawl. And a sad day for food delivery ecosystems as the beloved Deliveroo has gone extinct. Witnesses say the last ever Deliveroo was seen circling around an apartment block looking for an entrance before giving up. And after much controversy, Norman Swan has publicly apologised for his terrible pronunciation of COVID-19. It's the 18th of November with more shuffling of chairs than AGL. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, former head of risk at FTX crypto exchange, Dan Illich. And this is the podcast that takes the saddest headline that gives them a little bit of a tickle. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Both are nominated for the best comedy podcast at the Australian Podcast Awards. It's returning friend of the show, Adelaide's funniest medical professional from the Swab podcast. It's Nurse Georgie Carroll. Hey, Hey, Rational Fear. Good day, Dan Lewis. How you going? Now, Georgie, how are you preparing for the uh, for the for the awards? Are you in a, an award mindset coming up this Monday? Oh, I might might even start listening to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's first time fearmonger flying solo without her twin sister. It's Mamma Mia's editor in chief and host of the cancelled podcast, Claire Stevens. Welcome, Claire. Hello. Well, I'll be seeing you at the podcast awards, won't I, Dan? Oh. Excellent. What are you what are you gonna do to get yourself in a podcast award mindset? What's your what's your game? So my sister and I have decided we're never going to be invited to any other Australian award show like the Logies <laughs> or the Arias. We're never gonna make it to the Emmys or anything like that. So we're treating the podcast awards as our Logies. So we'll be getting really dressed up. We'll be going really, really over the top and just making everybody uncomfortable, I think is is right. where it's at. So oh, I, it's a shame, you know, Richard, Wilk- Richard Wilkins won't be there to give everyone cocaine. It'll be <laughs> real devastating. <laughs> and the podcast, no podcasters can afford cocaine, actually. The only ones that can, uh, Tony and Ryan, they're the ones yeah. that can afford cocaine. They just did that million-dollar deal with Spotify. Well, you know which table it goes to then, don't you, Claire? Yes. <laughs> Tony and Ryan table. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even going. I'm going to be in Adelaide. So you lot rock on uh, without me. And, you know, I've written a speech because I'm winning, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want want us to do it for you, pass it on to Lewis. He'll read it out for you. And he's the co-host of many podcasts. uh, And uh, Rational Fear is just one of them. He's a man that makes money because he is the voice of honey. It is Lewis Hobber. Welcome, Lewis. Hello, Dan. How are you? Oh, so... (laughs) So, such Uh, a sexy voice. uh, Yeah, I actually... Um, uh, Next week, I'm going to the Podcast Awards and the Arias. It's a a real awards uh, week for me. That's what a bit of a What's your music jam, Lewis? Why? I don't know why we're there, actually. We're just there. We're just there. Uh, carpet meat. Come on. <laughs> so jealous. Red carpet meat. 
<laughs> Coming up later, we talk to Bryn O'Brien about how a board shuffle at AGL could possibly bring about the most dramatic drop in carbon emissions in Australia's history. But first, here is a message from this week's sponsor. This Sunday, the entire globe descends on Qatar for the event no one will talk about. It's the Turning a Blind Eye World Cup. For football players, it's a figurative fairy tale. For the workers, a literal death trap. Every game has a loser. There are just lots more losers than football teams playing. Oh! I've seen jockstraps treated better than the construction workers in Qatar. 32 nations will go head-to-head and then turn their heads to look the other way. Oh, no! And they've completely missed it! Look at that! The exploitation, the corruption, the discrimination, the total inability to buy a beer! Which country will rationalise the cost of kicking around a ball on a field in a country without fields? I've got to say, Qatar is hosting the most awful cup that I've ever refused to witness. And the final score is migrant deaths, 6,500 versus the world, nil interest. Get ready to ignore all of the action for the Turning a Blind Eye World Cup. A ticket will buy you a whole seat that was installed by someone who died of heat exhaustion. Mm, thank you for that um, very classy sponsor there. Yes, the FIFA World Cup in Qatar kicks off this week and much like the living area of Donald Trump Jr.'s house, there's an elephant in the room. Qatar's human rights abuses have well been documented in the lead-up to this World Cup and there's you know heaps of problematic things, but the English comedian Joe Lycett has highlighted one of them and is applying pressure in his own unique way. Here is Joe Lycett to explain. This is a message to David Beckham. I consider you, along with Kim Woodburn and Monty Don, to be a gay icon. You were the first premiership footballer to do shoots with gay magazines like Attitude, to speak openly about your gay fans, and you married a Spice Girl, which is the gayest thing a human being can do. But now it's 2022, and you've signed a reported £10 million deal with Qatar to be their ambassador during the FIFA World Cup. Qatar was voted as one of the worst places in the world to be gay. Homosexuality is illegal, punishable by imprisonment, and if you're Muslim, possibly even death. You've always talked about the power of football as a force for good, which suggests to me that you've never seen West Brom. But generally, I agree. So with that in mind, I'm giving you a choice. If you end your relationship with Qatar, I'll donate this 10 grand of my own money, that's a grand for every million you're reportedly getting, to charities that support queer people in football. However, if you do not, at midday next Sunday, I will throw this money into a shredder just before the opening ceremony of the World Cup and stream it live on a website I've registered called benderslikebeckham.com. Not just the money, but also your status as a gay icon will be shredded. You'll be forcing me to commit a crime. Although even then, I reckon I'll get off more likely than I would if I got caught whacking off a lad in Doha. The choice is yours. I look forward to hearing from you. What I love most about that is he is kind of like this gay Bond villain and it's it's fantastic. <laughs> Georgie, do you think Joe Lice is going to change David Beckham's mind? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he has been a good gay icon as, as, as our Beckham, but no, he's going to burn it all now, isn't he? He's, um, yeah. I don't know if marrying a Spice Girl is the gayest thing you can do. I think probably marrying one of Backstreet Boys would be. That would be like, <laughs> wouldn't it? But <laughs> what are FIFA doing? Like, like, you know, they just put it in the wrong country again, like Russia last time, wasn't it? And that wasn't particularly gay-friendly. So yeah. thinking 2026 yeah. North Korean World Cup? 
<laughs> I know you think it's so backward, don't you? And then you're like, well, we've only just had our first gay bar- basketballer. Like it's mm. sport does have a fair way to come in terms of. In fact, my boys, so I've got a 16 and 18 year old who are soccer mad, and they reckon Gary Lineker said there's two Premiership footballers going to come out during the World Cup. Ooh. Which, I so, mean, the most shocking thing about that, Claire, is how is it this year and they're only just having that? I know we've had one Premiership player before, haven't we? But but it'd be really clever to do it during the World Cup, like given given where it is and given the conversation. It'd be such a... It really shines a spotlight on it even more than, than this video. I, th- I think the official word from the World Cup is um, you can come and wave your rainbow flags, but don't do anything against our culture. So I think coming out might warrant, yeah, a bit of jail time. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. It's crazy. It's crazy that, like, given FIFA's track record over the last, like, decade, that they managed to find a new way to be terrible. Like, they they were already, (laughs) you're just like, these are the worst people in the world. And and then they're like, wait, hold our $120 beer. We can be worse. Although they're holding themselves out as the most progressive of the Arab nations is, is what they're saying. Yes, yes. The uh, the Arab nation that has an embassy for the Taliban is the most progressive <laughs> of all the Arab nations. Mm. Yeah, it's that's like, right. It's just such a PR. Does it, like you just imagine these people sitting in a room being like, where should we have it? Yeah, we'll have it in Qatar. There'll be no issue with that. Like, look at their laws. No, no, no. It'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> not even, not even that. Let, let's let's look at. Do they have any grass in Qatar? No, yes. they don't. We have to we have to we have to import some grass. <laughs> we have to build some stadiums. It also feels a little bit strange to be potentially shredding money during such a <laughs> a horrible time for the economy. The thing is, also for him, like ten million pounds must be nothing for him. That's what I'm really confused about because I saw 10 million and I went, mate, you don't need the 10 mil. But then I saw 150 million and I was like, we all have a price, like 150 yeah, million. Yeah, I do it. Well, Claire, what's the amount of money that you need to, you know, to sell out? So I think about this a lot um, <laughs> because um, I'm just like, you know, not a lot and it's really embarrassing. Sometimes I think 100 bucks and I do something pretty freaking humiliating. Really? Um, wow. In terms of my values, oh, my God. Oh, I don't know. Okay, the thing that annoys me about this is that I'm like the Beckhams are fine. Like with, like with or without the 10, 150 million, you're very comfortable. I actually get quite stressed when I think about people who have too much money. I think that must be stressful because where is it? I do too because you've got to keep it up. This mm. is it. I, I reckon I've got exactly the right amount of money and I'd still do dodgy stuff for $100 there. You're not a bad person. You're not a bad person. Can I say uh, we always need more money to Irrational Fear, so if you want us to do something dodgy with it, head to patreon.com forward slash Irrational Fear and chip in. If Unethical uh, Super is listening... Uh... <laughs> yeah, if Unethical Super is listening and they want to, you know, double the amount of money Australian Ethical is giving us, let us know. I guess that the Beckhams do have to um, finance Brooklyn's, like, constant nepotistic failures and his weird photography careers and his, like, branch into modelling and, and theatre or music or whatever. I'm glad you brought that up, Lewis, because that is a whole episode on Claire Stevens' yes. podcast, Cancelled. <gasps> you can listen to it. On the Mamma Mia feed, I listened to it this week. I learned all sorts of things about somebody I didn't know, and that person was Brooklyn Beckham. Oh, my God. 
I love it. I I'm so excited to listen to that. Lewis, he Lewis, here's what I learned from Claire's podcast. I'm gonna mansplain Claire's podcast yes, back yes. to her. <laughs> I learned that he he had his own, he wanted to learn how to cook. He doesn't know how to cook, but somehow someone gave him a cooking show. Of course. And he has all these chefs that prepare the food for him. Great. And he actually doesn't know anything about cooking. And he, and he mixed up what butter and cheese was. Yes. And he said they're basically <laughs> the same. And he gets paid a hundred thousand dollars an episode to learn oh. how to cook. <laughs> And that is $98,000 more an episode than I've ever been paid to work on TV in my life. Uh, Claire, I I assume you have, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on his book of photography. I appreciate how he did write in his book of photography. He said he was in Kenya and he took this photo of the elephant and they're hard to capture. And I thought if you are going to be a photographer, it is your job to capture it. But also if you Google elephant, there are some excellent photos that come up, Brooklyn, that are better than your one. He's not very good. <laughs> if no one, if people listening and they haven't seen it, it's basically just a photo of a, it's just like a black photo with a vague outline of a, an elephant and the caption of it is like, elephants can be quite hard to capture. And you're like, there is nothing easier in the world to take a photo of than a giant fucking elephant, you absolute <laughs> idiot. I actually feel quite sorry for him because once I went really deep, I was Why? like, this is a man with no talent. And that must be so hard because you have all the opportunity and no skill. And, and a very impressive dad until this week. I felt really sad listening to the podcast. I was like, oh, we shouldn't be talking about this guy. We should put this guy in TAFE. <laughs> this is a rational fear. All of the photos were taken by Brooklyn himself. I started taking some just on my phone. And several photos from the collection have already been released. And yes, yeah, so I started posting them on it on Instagram. And a few years later, Penguin came to me. I feel like it turned out pretty well. You are listening to a very rational fear. This week's second fear, Elon Musk is like the dog who caught the self-driving car. Now he's got Twitter. Can he fix it before it explodes? So far, since buying Twitter uh, for $44 billion just a couple of weeks ago, he's sacked half the workforce. That's about 3,700 people. He's also fired most of the contractors, about 4,000 to 5,000 contractors, who found out over Twitter that they got fired or just couldn't log on to their email address. Now there are so many people who no longer work at the company. Um, Musk has sent this all-hands email. This is the email he sent a couple of days ago. He said, going forward, to build a breakthrough Twitter 2.0 and succeed in an increasingly competitive world, we need to be extremely hardcore. This will mean working long hours at high intensity. Only exceptional performance will constitute a passing grade. If you think you want to be part of the new Twitter, click on the link below. Anyone who's not done it by 5pm tomorrow will receive three months severance. He is trying to get a third of the people to do 100% of the work uh, Twitter is reportedly losing so many daily users that the new number one social network in Australia on the Australian App Store is MyGov. Um, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> uh, people love getting messages from the ATO. Hey, uh, Claire, you run a, well, you recently took over a major media organisation. What um, did you do when you took over Mamma Mia? Did you, did you fire half the workforce? I didn't send that email. And the reason I didn't send that email is because I think when you send an email with the subject line, a fork in the road. It scares people for one. (laughs) And I know that as an individual, I will often see a scary email and then not open it for 48 hours. And I thought if I were one of his employees, then I would have seen that email gone, oh, avoided it. The time I opened it, I would have been made redundant because I didn't (laughs) click yet. (laughs) He's such a weird man. 
That's such an odd email to send. Like, it's just, he's asking people, I I think the scary thing is that he said in it that it's going to be extremely hardcore and that people need to be working long hours at high intensity. So at what point is anyone allowed to say, hey, I'm stressed or I've been working for four days straight and can I have a break? They're not allowed to say that because apparently they agreed to it in this email. This is a guy who essentially has been hiring people to go through Slack and to go through Twitter to see where Twitter employees have been mouthing off against him. This is the free the free speech warrior, mind you, who went and bought <laughs> a social network <laughs> and is basically, basically going, uh, I'm going to get rid of everyone who disagrees with me. And this is what he's been doing. It's, it's, so, it's so wild. Can it be that hard working for Twitter anyway? What do you actually do if you work for Twitter? <laughs> Great people put the words in the, in the book. Exceptional performance will constitute a passing grade. What planet is this man from? <laughs> like, he's going he's to have to fire himself. Georgie, that means, like, at next comedy festival, like, you would get fired if Chortle didn't give you five stars. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I even read that. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's just absolute horrible... Horrible man. I've, I've managed to avoid knowing anything about him until doing this podcast. I heard about, a little bit about him. I, don't, I do not need to. He's less relevant to me than Santa Claus. Can I say to everyone listening, when I sent Georgie an email asking him to do the show, Georgie replied saying, I don't actually read the news. Uh, <laughs> I don't no, know I what's going on. I try actively avoid it. I, um, yeah, it makes me sad and it makes me feel like a useless person. Georgie wanted to know what streaming service the news was on so she could catch up on it. He's an interesting guy. He's trying to save the world. I don't know, but the Twitter thing has really really got me offside. Yeah, I I think, I feel like there was a time where I was like, you know what, this is a flawed individual trying to do the best for the world. And I I no longer believe that. I now now think this is a complete idiot who has no idea what he's doing. And he's just Mr. Magoo falling from dumb thing to dumb thing, (laughs) a thousand um, Tesla's got recalled in Australia this week. They're killing people on the roads. He promised to get to Mars 10 years ago. He's nowhere near it. Nothing he does works. He's an absolute buffoon. He's overconfident. He says he's going to do stuff. He signs himself up to it. He fucks it up. And then it, this guy is an absolute 14-year-old fuckwit. And <laughs> I do not think he is doing anything good for the world. I think he should go and be an ambassador to Qatar he, he, is, he is just, he's, he sucks. I also tried to talk to him once at Splendor in the Grass and um, his security blocked me. So I also have a personal vendetta. He was at Splendor? Wow, that's awesome. When, when, he, was, when he was bringing that big battery to, uh, to Adelaide and, uh, uh, right. and he was hanging out at Splendor and I was like, oh, I'm going to go and chat to Elon Musk. And uh, so I walked over and his security was like, no way. And I went, okay, fair enough. And I backed away. And then I went to just like take a photo to send to, like the work group chat to be like, hey, Elon Musk's in the VIP bar. And as I held up my phone, the security held up this like flasher thing that blocked laser. my phone. A space yeah, it was, like, laser. A laser that stopped me from taking a photo. Anyway, I was like, oh man, no one, Elon Musk won't let anyone talk to him. And I was there with Dylan Alcott at the time. And Dylan Alcott's like, watch this. Dylan Alcott went over. And, of course, security was like, yeah, get on in there, Dylan. And then Dylan and Elon Musk just had the best chat ever. I'm like, oh, okay. You just got to be a fucking future Australian of the year. I get it. Got to be a three-time Australian Open winner, Wimbledon winner. That's all it takes. Now, before we get to our third fear, did you guys see that Albo met with um, President Xi on the sidelines of the G20? We don't know exactly what happened inside that meeting, but... Is that the Italian one? Who's Xi? Yeah, uh, President Xi is... Uh, <laughs> He's the president of China, um, George. Who? 
The Italian one is Anthony Albanese, who also happens to be Australian. So <laughs> it, um, I know it's, it's pretty confusing. It's pretty confusing there. Now, we don't know what happened inside that meeting, but it seems that there's been a bit of a dramatic reset between relations between Australia and China, uh, which is pretty remarkable, as we he- heard from um, Albanese's post-meeting conference. Thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you. Okay, ready. I want to thank President Xi for a productive conversation. Sure, Australia and China have our differences. China has a problem with disappearing protesters. We know exactly where ours are under very strict bowel conditions. China is increasing coal usage. We are far more into gas. China's indigenous populations face imprisonment, relocation, theft of their land, re-education, discrimination, forced labour and organ harvesting. We don't do the organ harvesting part. But despite our differences, there's something China and Australia can agree on. The best way to support workers is to help rich people get richer. Mr. Albanese, Mr. Thank you, no questions. What about the Uyghur population? No questions. Oh, look, there's another similarity. I forgot about repressing press freedoms. How did I forget that? We're becoming more and more like you every day. Mm, it looks like it's going to be quite positive. Well done. Well done. Um, big thanks to uh, Man with Dominic Claw on Discord who wrote that joke. That's one of the perks of being a Patreon member. You get to access the Discord and write jokes for the show for free. Well, actually, you pay to write jokes. It's amazing. We're like Elon Musk here. It's a, it's a very good system. It's a very good system. Um, this week's third fear. Here's another thing you can remove from the list of things that are Dan Andrews' fault. Not being able to buy a tampon. Yes, in the latest bid to bolster their already huge lead over the Liberal Party of Victoria, the Labor Party is offering free pads and tampons if they win the Victorian state election. It's a pretty good policy that's going to leave the Liberal Party wondering how to stop the bleeding of their supporter base. Labor would like to see 1,500 pad and tampon dispensing machines installed up to 700 sites, including public hospitals, courts, TAFEs, libraries and train stations. Um, uh, but not. I found some tweets that didn't actually agree with this. This one comes from Intracelt. Have you tested all the tampons available in Australia before issuing those for free? Well, Susan, um, that's not how you. That's not how tampons work. You can't really <laughs> test them all before issuing them. Doesn't quite work like that. Dan's a busy guy. Probably hasn't tested it. Uh, then there's this one here. Are they going to be for all the different genders? Please, cl- please clarify who they are for. <laughs> that one comes from someone called Jet Ski Bandit. Jet Ski <laughs> Bandit needs to know who they're for. And oh, then that guy's this one just angry Karma. because his um his big job at Sydney Harbour for White Ribbon Day was cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He, he's looking for the next gig. Then there's this one here from Karma Kangaroo, which says, "Will you make toilet paper free, Dan? Toilet paper is a necessity." And then thank Liz who chimed in saying, "Toilet paper is free at public toilets." Wow, you won. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was good. Karma Kangaroo as well has not noticed that. Once a month, if you were to wee and poo uncontrollably for the whole week, <laughs> then maybe we should get free toilet paper. That's not, yeah. You can't, you wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't leave the house. You'd have to live in your little hut um, if you well, didn't. Karma kangaroo to... doesn't have to worry. They just put all their stuff in a pouch. Uh, mm. they've, got, they've got a free <laughs> menstrual cup wherever they go. When does this come in? When's the election? Because I reckon I've only got about three eggs left. Why, why am I bothered? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, it. I've got three good eggs and I'm not in Melbourne until March. So what's going on? <laughs> what you can ship them to Dan Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> then there's finally this bit of insight from a counsellor. Councillor Steve Christo wrote, 
Free tampons. What's next? Free penis extensions? Well, counsellor, I have been extending penises in Melbourne bathrooms for free for quite a while now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've been charging. (laughs) As somebody who doesn't understand how taxpayer dollars work, who doesn't understand how government works, I say fine. You can have your free penis extensions. I'm all good for that. But I love that men got so upset about this and they're like, "But, but what's in it for me like can can I have tampons and it's like you can you genuinely can have some of the pads and tampons I don't know what you'll do with them but you may take them if you wish well some men use them as like anti-sweat things on their armpits there you go they can use it for that I'm going to be the worst type of person. Like I'm the person that people will fear because I, if they become free, I will never buy one again. Every time I go to a public <laughs> toilet, I will get a huge thing of tampons, a huge thing of pads, and I will stockpile them in my home. Maybe they'll kind of um, mitigate that by putting a picture of Dan Andrews on the wrapper, you know, yeah, instead okay. of trivia. Uh, that might that might prevent you from. You know uh, that not all tampons are created equal, though, Claire. Like this, these are not going to be quality. Tampons. It's going to no. be like these are going to be Victorian government approved tampons. <laughs> they'll be right. single ply. They'll be a bit damp. Georgie, you know when you go overseas, you go to like the US and they've got the applicator ones, but with the cardboard, they'll yeah. be like that. That yeah, or well, like the ones where they used to come with a belt. Do you remember them ones that used to? <laughs> no, you're too young oh. for this. But that you used to wear a belt and they had a loop on the front and a loop on the back to oh. uh, to, tie, to right. tie around your waist. That's what they're going to be like. <laughs> That sounds amazing. That's very Melbourne as well, though. <laughs> Melbourne love a bit of retro. <laughs> <laughs> very hipster. When we come back, what AGL's board makeup has to do with saving the planet. You're listening to A Rational Fear. And this is the part of the podcast where we just talk about how wonderful our sponsor is, which is Australian Ethical Investments. Big thank you to them. Not only do they have discerning takes when it comes to sponsoring comedy podcasts like ours. They also have discerning taste where they put their money or rather your money if you invest with them when it comes to investments. They don't do things like tobacco, weapons, big climate polluters, human trafficking. They stay away from all of that bad stuff and they only invest in the good stuff. So you can look your kids in the eye and tell them that because you put your money in with Australian Ethical, you basically made the world a little bit less worse. Yeah, that's uh, that's the idea. We're, you know, we're making the world a little bit less worse, or rather, a better world. You know, that's another way to put it. Sure, you know, glass half full if you want. A better world, glass half empty, a little less worse. It's up to you. So, big thank you to Australian Ethical. To find out more, go to australianethical.com.au. Okay, back to the pod. And we're back. This week, the long-running battle for the control of AGL has turned a page. Followers of Climate News will remember earlier this year when Mike Cannon-Brooks became a majority shareholder in the company and with just 11% of ownership has demanded some changes in leadership. And so a battle for the future of the energy giant ensued and thus the future of the largest greenhouse gas emitter in the country is now heading down a different direction. Well, someone who knows a little bit about what went down at AGL over the last few months is friend of the show, Bryn O'Brien from the Australasian Centre for Corporate Responsibility. Bryn, welcome back to Rational Fear. 
Great to be here. What a week. Oh, my God. What a week for you and what a week for people who work in this climate space. Tell us what what happened with this AGL board reshuffle and why does it matter? So AGL went to the AGM, the current board, which is the kind of backwards thinking part of the board, or that's probably unfair, but I'll simplify like that. They went to the board with um, five directors, right, and they said, well, you know, four of them are up for election. One of them doesn't need to be elected. He continues on, but four of them are up for election. Um, And there are 10 board seats in this company and they they just didn't put anyone up. So Mike Kenner-Brooks and and his team at Brock Ventures saw an opportunity. They tried to take over the company a few months ago. They tried twice. The company rejected their takeover bids and... So they they put up four directors, which takes us to nine, and the maximum is ten. And the current board, or the the, the pre existing board, sort of they they accepted one of them. They said, oh, "Okay, there's there's this one dude, Mark Twidell, who who worked for Tesla. With there's an Elon theme here that I'm not going to take us back into because that would be bad. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. But they accepted him, and then the other three directors, including." Um, Kerry Schott, Dr. Kerry Schott, who's, you know, very well-known energy market expert, head of the regulator, et cetera, they put these other three directors up as well. And Patricia McKenzie, who's the chair of AGL, said, nah, their experience isn't relevant to us. We're just going to go to a vote with these, you know, five directors that we think are good and this one other director. And shareholders basically just said, nah, fuck off we're going to get the other three up too. So so now, so all of the directors that Mike Cannonbrooks proposed, and they're all independent, so, you know, they're, they're not there to kind of do his bidding, but they are um, on the record saying that they, they think the company can transition more rapidly. They all got elected. So the, the balance of power, if you look at the nine members of that board now, five of them have really serious energy transition and renewables experience. That's so incredible. Like a few months ago, uh, Grok was trying to buy the whole company and then just kind of couldn't couldn't get past that 11% mark. And then a few months later, all of a sudden owns the company without actually having to, you know, invest all that money. <laughs> That's such a great own goal by AGL. Yeah. Elon Musk must be sitting there going, oh, fuck, there was a better way. <laughs> <laughs> When will we see, like, uh, exponential change in the way AGO operates? Well, look, I think there's, you know, we've got corporations law in Australia that kind of governs the way that directors have to do their job. So now that these four people nominated by Mike and and Grok um, have been elected, what they need to do is, like, really get their heads into the game. So they need to go and look at all of the company's accounts and books and really look at those opportunities for rapid transition. So I expect they'll they'll be in there doing it. It's kind of awkward because, you know, the chair and the other directors had sort of said, oh, you don't have anything to offer this board. So there's some interesting boardroom <laughs> dynamics there. But, look, I expect that they'll all get on with the job. They'll just have a look. Um, AGL, just to kind of remind people, is... of Australia's uh, national emissions, so about 90 million tonnes of carbon dioxide per year. So it's really, really massive. And just this, you know, like hats off to the Grok team, really. Like it was a bold thing that they did. There's no script for this. No one's ever done it before. And they had to wear the kind of very real possibility of humiliating defeat, and they they nailed it. So it's... um, 
yeah, super exciting. The the new board or the like the full board as of today has a massive job ahead and they still have to appoint a CEO. So they've got an interim CEO um, who's a bloke who's been with the company for a while. But, you know, they, they have to appoint a, a new CEO or, or or appoint him permanently into the role and they've just got so much work ahead. And to give a bit of history, like AGL has been uh, the biggest polluter in Australia for such a long time, but they did have a plan to rapidly transition to renewables uh, in the mid-teens, if you like, and that plan was headed up by an American CEO who was running the company at the time. And and then when they announced that plan, Josh Frydenberg, who was the energy minister at the time, said, "Oh no, no, no! We can't have we can't have our biggest coal user no longer use coal. That wouldn't be good for our Liberal Party donors." He then systematically went and bullied all of the board members to encourage them to sack the CEO. And the CEO got bullied out of AGL, quit, and then they installed their own friendly CEO to the coal companies and coal got entrenched for until where we are now. This is where we are at the moment. It's it's so bizarre that the previous coalition was such against this transition that, that they did that in the first place. Where we are right now, what we're hearing from the company, from staff in the company, so this is a massive company. They've got heaps of staff, many of whom want, you know, want to be part of the industry of the future. What we're hearing now and what we heard um, over the last couple of days is that this is a big relief, that there is a renewal within the company and there's a real excitement about the transition ahead. And that must be a huge, huge burden lifted from the clever people that work there who want to do the right thing and be part of the transition. Bryn, do they want to sponsor a podcast? Uh, I know one (laughs) that could use money. Uh, look, I, I think, um, you know, you, you might have to shake that tree down. I was going to say really quick, Bryn, I am an AGL customer. I've been meaning to leave for like two years because we every time we do this podcast, I, I leave going like, oh, fuck, I'm a monster and I'm an idiot. Does this give me an excuse to not have to make the change? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Um, you know, the only thing Hooray! worse than being an AGL customer is being an AGL shareholder. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm well, can I say I'm I, I'm an AGL shareholder yeah. and I bought shares so I could vote. So yeah, yeah, and I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. So no, well, look, I've I've held AGL for a few years, but no, the 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 I think for AGL customers, purely, you know, to delay the administrative burden of, of this, um, just yeah, give it a year. And mm-hmm. look, the company, I think they, they said they weren't going to put a new climate plan for a vote this time next year. Now they're saying they will. And my my prediction is that with this new board and a dynamic, qualified CEO that they're trying to lock in place at the moment, we'll deliver a really exciting transition plan. And, and that's, you know, again, 8% of Australia's national emissions, 90 million uh, tonnes of CO2 equivalent per year. It's such big fry. And well done to everyone who's who's had a had a crack. That's super exciting. And a big thanks to anyone who's got an AGL shares who voted over the last few weeks on, on whatever you got to vote on. We are done for Rational Fear. Thank you to everybody who's joined us for tonight. Bryn O'Brien, Georgie Carroll, Claire Stevens. Let's get our plugs underway. Claire, what would you like to plug? Listen to my podcast, Cancelled. Um, if you don't want to think about anything serious for about 40 minutes. I think it's a really good listen to this podcast and you'll have some knowledge and feel very clever and then you can listen to Cancelled and <laughs> feel like you've learnt nothing. So that's really great. that's really good. Not true. You'll learn a, a lot episode about of Mariah Brooklyn, Carey this week. Brooklyn Beckham. <laughs> 
Oh my God, are you doing Mariah Carey this week? Yep, we did Mariah, but we oh. just, it's, but I mean, it's so hard because she's, she's flawless. She's iconic. So it was so hard oh. to find any, you know, any crimes for her because she's, oh she's, and we should, we should be clear for the audience that even though the podcast is called Cancelled, it's not about <laughs> Sam Newman or Harvey Weinstein. Like you no. won't, you won't, you won't find anything about that. Because they're not um, funny. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Georgie Carroll, what would you like to plug? Oh, well, when you've listened to Claire's, come over to my podcast, which is a swab, uh, which is just night shift banter from hospital. So if you ever imagine <laughs> what kind of utter nonsense we talk about at three in the morning when we're high on Haribo and no sleep um, and we get really <laughs> stupid, that is what it is. How is it? How is that not funny? So, yeah, um, that, that's my podcast. Lewis Harbour, you got anything to plug? Um, I mean, nothing new. You could still go and watch this, our new television special. It is called <laughs> Australia's Best Competition Competition. Um, it's really good. It's on iView. It's very funny. It's very silly. Uh, and go and watch it. And if you watched it, get a new iView account and watch it again. <laughs> Bryn, do you want to plug anything? I am plugging the First Nations Clean Energy Network, which is, uh, so it's firstnationscleanenergy.org.au. It's building capacity uh, for renewable energy with control and ownership in Aboriginal hands. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to plug Question Everything. I'm on it on Tuesday, on Wednesday. If you're in Sydney on Tuesday, hop along and uh, come to the taping and uh, laugh at my jokes. Thanks very much. Big thanks to Road Mike's Australian Ethical, our Patreon supporters, Carmen Cake, Sonia and Patrick, who joined up this week. Uh, the wonderful Rupert Dagas, who made that extraordinary um, promo at the start of the show for the Qatari FIFA sketch. Thank you very much. Also, Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki Timeline, who cut that sketch. So good, so talented, so lucky to have folks like that help us out with the show. Um, if you want to help us out, Hit us up on Patreon, forward slash Irrational Fear. Until next week, there's always something to be uh, scared of. See ya!